All right, so today and going forward for another number of weeks, I'm not sure how many yet, I'm going to talk about our covenant with God. Um, if you take covenant out of our relationship with God, you're basically left with the, the old covenant. You're t- basically left with the Old Testament. You're basically left with relating to God totally based on your performance, on your behavior. If you can do good at this and this and this and this, then God loves you and you're doing good. But if you can't do good at this and this and this, then God hates you, you're going to be punished, you're cursed and blah, blah, blah. Then you have to come to the altar and cry every week and boo-hoo and all that kind of stuff to try to convince somebody that God loves you. <laughs> Probably yourself, amen? So we have a covenant with God, all right? God is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God, and that's how we relate to God is through the covenant. God made a covenant with Adam and Eve. He made a covenant with Noah. He made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant with Moses. He made a covenant with David, and he made a covenant with Jesus. Do you know that? He made a covenant with Jesus. He technically did not make a covenant with you. He made a covenant with Jesus, and we're benefactors of that covenant, okay? So each of these covenants God made didn't just affect the individual person he made it with, but it affected a group of people. They they were a representative of that covenant, okay? So the representative is called a mediator. So in each of these covenants, there were terms, there was a mediator, and there were signs. So, for example, in Adam's covenant, he was the mediator, and the uh, and the sign was the Sabbath. In the Noah's co- uh, covenant, Noah was the mediator, and the sign was the rainbow. In Abraham's covenant, he was the mediator, and the sign was circumcision. I'm glad I wasn't the mediator of that one. Amen. Hey, guys, guess what? Uh, you got a new thing going on. All right, Moses' covenant. He was the mediator, and the sign was the Ten Commandments. In David's covenant, he was the mediator, and the sign was Solomon's temple. And last but not least, in our new covenant, Jesus is our mediator, and the sign is communion. It's right here. It's the Lord's table, okay? So God relates to man today and always has through covenants. So uh, I don't have time to go through all of those covenants today. We're going to be talking about this for a number of weeks, but today I want to look at two. I'm going to look at the covenant he made with Moses and the covenant that he made with Jesus. Guys, knowing this, to, to, in my opinion, knowing this will change your relationship with God. Because if you think you're relating to God based on your behavior, you're missing it. You're not relating to God based on your behavior. You're relating to God based on the behavior of Jesus. You would have no business standing in the Holy of Holies. You'd have no business approaching the throne of grace without the blood of Jesus. Amen. So in the covenant of Moses, he was the mediator. And again, the signs were the Ten Commandments. It might have been a while since you read the Ten Commandments. So I'm going to share them with you guys today. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or bow down to worship them. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother, <coughs> that your days may be long upon, upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet what belongs to your neighbor. So guys, these are the Ten Commandments, or you can call them the terms of the covenant. If they followed these terms well, they were blessed. If they didn't, they were cursed. Okay? Now, these don't seem that complicated to me. I mean, I think, and today, I think people could obey these Ten Commandments to a degree 
and not even know Jesus. And I think a lot of people in church do that. They think if they just do the Ten Commandments and they're going to be good. But there's a lot more to it than that. It's knowing Jesus, okay? So now in Deuteronomy 27 through 30, Moses was in his final days of his life. And God decided to add some more laws to these Ten Commandments. So in chapter 27, he adds 12 more. Verse 1 says, Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today, and it shall be on that day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God has given you, that you shall set up for yourself large stones and whitewash them with lime. Now this is after the Ten Commandments. You shall write on them all the words of this law when you've crossed over, that you may enter the land which the Lord your God has given you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord God of your fathers promised you. Therefore, it shall be when you've crossed over the Jordan that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones, which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. So these next uh, commandments, the next commandments that God is about to set, give them are written on big stones. They're not portable like tablets. They sound like they're large stones. Okay? So these aren't the Ten Commandments. They're new laws he's given them. Now, um, they were also instructed to build an altar on Mount Ebal, and to burn sacrifices there, burnt offerings and peace offerings, which I'll talk about more about that later. Verse 9. Then Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. And Moses commanded the people on that same day, saying, These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you've crossed over the Jordan. Simon, Levi, Judah, Eskar, uh, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. So here you this is what this scene looks like, okay? They're traveling. They're crossing the Jordan. There's two mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. They, they face each other with a valley coming between them. In the valley, there's a town called Shechem. And uh, in some verses, in some translations, it says they had to go stand on top of the mountain, six tribes, and some say they had to stand in front of it. But six would stand over here, and six would stand there, either on top or, uh, on, or below. I don't know. It, some of them is over 6,000 feet, so I don't know if all of them would be climbing that mountain. But anyway, so on top of that Mount Ebal, they'd have to have these large stones cut out with these new commandments on it, and they'd have to have this altar there. And so every time they would... Uh, Mount Gerizim was a, a very lush, fruitful mountain, while Mount Ebal was dry and barren, and Ebal was the one that was the curse. So what, what they'd do when they'd read these laws is they'd have the Ark of the Covenant down in the valley, surrounded by the high priests, and then the other priests surrounded around them. And every time they would read a verse that had to do with the blessing, they'd turn towards uh, Mount Gerizim and say this verse, and they'd pronounce the blessing on them. When they were telling them about the curse, they'd talk about Mount Ebal, they turn this way, and they'd pronounce that curse if they broke these laws. So I'm going to read you guys what these new laws were, okay? And uh, yeah, well, I'll just read them. <laughs> some, of them are, some of them are, yeah, they're good. So, uh, and the Levites shall speak with a loud voice, this is verse 14 for the computer guy, loud voice and say to all the men of Israel, curse is the one who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of his hands, the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall say, Amen. So here the millions of people answer back after that, Amen. 
how the ground would probably shake when they did that. Isn't it cool to think about we're reading stuff that happened thousands and thousands of years ago? And it just, like in history, it just, it's very cool to me. Verse 16. Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who makes the blind to wander off the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife, because he has uncovered his father's bed, and all the people shall say, Amen. And there's a reason these laws are in here, guys. Some of them seem like common sense, but they're common sense because they've been taught for a long time. Curses the one who lies with any kind of an animal, and the people shall say, Amen. Curses the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother, and the people shall say, Amen. Curses the one who lies with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Aren't you getting blessed today, guys? <laughs> Praise God. Curses the one who attacks his neighbor secretly, and the people shall say, Amen. Curses the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person. And all the people shall say, Amen. Curses the one who does not confirm all the words of this law by observing them, and the people shall say, Amen. Now they went through all these laws and probably a lot more, and they'd say, Amen, and they would, they would uh, go over these 22 laws, and probably by then there was a lot more laws. So they, uh, they had a choice to make. If they obeyed these laws, they would be blessed. If they disobeyed, they would be cursed. Okay. Now, uh, Deuteronomy 30:19 says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, this was chapter 27. I had read all those new laws and those, those Mount Ebal, Mount Gerizim. Now, the famous chapter after that is, is Deuteronomy 28, which many people know, okay? Deuteronomy 28, I've read it at some of the weddings we've done here. Uh, at least the good parts I read at the weddings, right? The blessing part. But there's uh, actually Deuteronomy 28 lists 53 curses that will come on families and the people if they disobey those laws that were described in chapter 27. These curses affected their land, their families, their finances, and their personal health. If you don't believe me, go back and read it, and by the time you're done, you'll be greatly encouraged. I just guarantee that. And then uh, there are 14 verses that describe the benefits or the blessings that come on your life for following God's laws, and those blessings affected their land, their families, their finances, and their health. Okay? So over time, God and man kept adding to this covenant, kept adding laws to this, these commandments, until by the time Jesus came on the earth, there was 613 of them. Went from 22 to 613. Some of them were definitely instituted by God. Some of them were instituted by man. Like some of the laws against women were definitely uh, added by the Pharisees and not added by God. So um, this old covenant was established and set up and was sealed by the blood of bulls and goats. So the, the law of the old covenant was how the people were connected or related to God. If they performed well, they'd be blessed again. If they didn't, they'd be cursed. But God found fault with this, new, this old covenant, and he made a new one. Okay? Aren't you glad he found fault with that? Amen. If the first one would have been perfect, there would have been no need for a second. But there is a second one. Okay? So now we're going to look at the new covenant. So from the days of Moses until Jesus, they had priests that were put in place as mediators between God and man. 
And every year on the Day of Atonement, this high priest would go behind the, the Holy of Holies, behind this big, thick, huge curtain, and they'd walk in with the blood of a lamb, and they'd put it on the mercy seat, which was the lid for the Ark of the Covenant. It's kind of probably about the same size as our communion table back here. And they placed it on the Ark of the Covenant and on the lid, on the mercy seat, and their sins were covered for an entire year. Now, I tell you, it would take faith for you to believe that your sins are covered for an entire year. I would love for that to get taught, even just that to get taught. But your sins aren't covered just for an entire year. Your sins are covered for your entire life, past, present, future. It's completely covered, amen? So uh, this went on year after year, these priests going in year after year after year on the Day of Atonement. For centuries, they'd go in, offer this blood, and they'd cover them for another year. And when a priest would die, they'd install a new priest. They'd put another high priest in there, and then another one get older, they'd move him up to that special honor place. So they'd all be installed. It had to be Levites, which was uh, Moses and Aaron. They were brothers, but they were Levites. And these were the ones that were the priests. So we can see in Hebrews 7.23, it says, Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. Basically, that's saying they couldn't serve forever because they kept dying. So they had to keep installing new Levitical priests in that same tribe to become the next priest, the younger generation to keep going, because this went on for a really long time. So after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus was installed as our high priest. Do you know that? Jesus installed your high priest, but the strange thing, Jesus did not come from the tribe of Levi. Jesus came from the tribe of? Four of you guys knew that? Come on. The lion of the tribe of, right? He came from the tribe of Judah. That's right. No one from the tribe of Judah had ever served as a priest before, ever, okay? And Jesus didn't, wasn't installed as high priest in the order of Judah, meaning that after Jesus died, his son would be the next high priest, the next high priest, next high priest. He wasn't installed in the order of Judah. He was installed in the order of Melchizedek. Do you remember that? Okay. Now, after, so verse 7-11 of Hebrews 7 it says, therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest should arise, should rise according to the order of Melchizedek, and not be called according to the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For, for he of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no man has officiated at the altar." Talking about there was never anyone from the tribe of Judah ever before served at the altar. If they would have tried, they would have been struck dead because no one could do that unless they were Levitical priests. I want to focus there on verse 12. It says, For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there was also a change of the law. Do you know that? Okay. When a new high priest was installed, not in the order of Aaron or a Levite, but in the order of Melchizedek, the whole law changed. Amen, somebody. The law changed. You need to know that. And in fact, I want you to know, Gentiles, that you were never under the law to begin with. That was a covenant that he made with Moses and the children of Israel. That was the, the 12 tribes of Israel, Jacob's kids, okay? That was who it was for. It was never for the Gentiles. Now, are those laws bad? Of course they're not bad. They're, most of them are, are, when you're a Christian, you love Jesus, most of them are common sense. We should be serving, doing those things without hard even thinking. Like breathing, right? Okay, God's going to take you much further than that, but you're not going to be saved or born again or have a covenant with God based on your obedience to those laws. You can't do it. You can't do it. They couldn't do it, and you can't do it. 
So if another priest was installed in the order of Aaron, the law would have stayed the same, like it did year after year, century after century. It would have stayed the same when Jesus was installed as our new high priest who will live forever and never die. Amen. All right. In the order of Melchizedek, the law changed. It changed. And this change didn't just affect the Jews. This change affected Jew and Gentile, everyone. Amen. He was the mediator of a better covenant, our representative. A mediator is our representative. So he represented us to the Father. He didn't just die for us. He died as us. What he accomplished wasn't for himself. What he accomplished was for you and for me. As a represent, everything he was, everything was benefited that he did was for us. We are benefactors of this covenant, Amen. So this covenant, this new covenant, has a new high priest, has a new mediator, and it has new terms and new signs. I'm going to go over these with you. The new high priest, Hebrews seven twenty, and inasmuch as he was not made perfect without an oath, for they have there they have been become priest without an oath. But he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. Or the King James says repent or change his mind. You are a priest forever in the, according to the order of Melchizedek. This was Jesus swearing in ceremony as our new high priest with an oath. You are a priest right now forever in the order of Melchizedek. Amen. That's huge, Okay. Now our new mediator, Hebrews 8, 6. But now he, being Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. He was installed as our high priest, our representative. He's our mediator between God and man. Fully God, fully man, Jesus at the same time is our mediator between God and man. Amen? And it says... Uh, it was founded on better promises and established uh, a better covenant. He's the mediator, amen? He didn't represent just himself. Jesus represents you. He represents me, like Moses represented all the children of Israel. He represents us. What he did was for us, okay? Now, uh, the new laws, new terms. John thirteen thirty four. A new commandment I give, you, give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. For this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Guys, that's the law of the new covenant, is to love each other. Love your neighbor, love yourself, love God, is to love. It said he sums up all the laws, all the prophets, all the commandments is summed up in what? Love your neighbor. Guys, it's time to stop being afraid to love, amen? It's time to stop being afraid to get our feelings hurt or whoever else, and just love people, amen? I think we can do it, amen? I really do. Maybe I'm foolish enough to believe it, I just, but I just believe we can, or God wouldn't have said it. In the new sign, 1 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25, right behind me. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This stew as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Right here, the new covenant was established. It was signed, sealed, and delivered by the blood of Jesus himself. Amen? So uh, when this new one was established, it made the old one obsolete. You no longer relate in 
Gentiles, you never were supposed to anyway, but we've been taught wrong, so we thought we had to. You, we, but we're no longer to relate to God based on our performance. We relate to God based on our covenant. And I'm telling you, that will affect your behavior. The behavior we put the behavior is the most important thing. No, the covenant is the most important thing. The blood of Jesus is the most important thing. What he did is the most important thing. Your behavior will change as you look at the covenant, as you look at him. I remember this uh, a couple years ago, Marshall shared a sermon here, and uh, I hopefully remember the details right, but you guys went hand gliding, right? All right, and you remember that story when they were hand gliding, whichever way their head was looking is the way that the hand glider would go. It's the same thing with you. If you're looking at your sin, you're looking at your issues, looking at your sin conscious, look at your stuff, guess what direction you're going to go? You look at the covenant, you look at what Jesus did, you look at what he paid for, that's the direction you're going to go. Your behavior will naturally change just by looking towards him and stop looking at ourselves. It doesn't help. You can't save yourself anyway. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Amen. All right. So, um, so this new covenant was established, made the old one obsolete. We no longer relate to God through our performance. We relate to God through the covenant he made with Jesus on our behalf. So Jesus is our representative. In the same way Moses represented all of Israel, Jesus represents us. So Jesus died not only for us, again, but as us. All right? He had no sin. He had no curses. He had no demons. He had no anything going on with him. He represented us as fully God and fully man and took the punishment for us so we can now have an established covenant that can't be broken. Man can't mess this up anymore. Adam can't go in and eat a fruit and ruin the whole thing, you know, or whatever. Okay? So, again, we're not to focus on our behavior. We're focused on the covenant. Hebrews 8.12 says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I'll remember no more. Praise God. Turn your faith on right now, okay? Turn it on. Look at what he said, your high priest. He said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. So why do we talk about it every Sunday in some places? Every Sunday. And you're not seeing any change and any breakthrough because we're looking at the wrong thing. We've got to look at the covenant. We've got to look at what he paid for. Look at what he did. Look at how much the Father loves us that he sent Jesus to come and be tormented in our place so you could have a right relationship with God. Not based on your performance, based on the performance of the one perfect man, our representative Jesus. Amen. If it could have been done, I think Moses or Abraham probably would have done it. They're pretty good guys. I guess, I guess, well, Moses had an anger issue, I guess. And I don't know what's up with Abraham giving his wife away but a few times. But, but other than that, I can't think of who would be the second after Jesus. There isn't anybody. It's not you. It's not me. It's Jesus. Amen. So the high priest. Let's look at the high priest again. Hebrews 9.11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, meaning not of this world, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, come on, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So here's what's happened. When he was resurrected from the dead, 
He stopped by to pick up his body at the garden tomb, you know, and the angel, remember, kicked the rock out of the way or flicked it out of the way or whatever he did. He moved the big boulder out of the way. He picked up his body. Mary Magdalene saw him, and she grabs him and holds on. He says, oh, don't hold on to me just yet. I haven't gone to the Father yet. I haven't gone yet. So don't hold on to me yet. I'll come back, but let me do this first. So he goes up into heaven, and now he enters the heavenly holy of holies. He enters the heavenly tabernacle. Remember, Moses had to build that thing exactly like uh, God instructed him to make it. It was an exact representation of what's in heaven already. So that what the inner room, outer courts, inner courts, all that stuff, all those things, there's actually things like that in heaven. So now Jesus walked in with his own blood, walked into the holy of holies, and put his blood on the heavenly mercy seat of God, on the heavenly lid to the Ark of the Covenant, and your new covenant was ratified, satisfied, signed, sealed, delivered forever. Not with the blood of bulls and goats, not one year after year after year, but one time sacrifice, he did away with it forever. Forever. Amen. Then he comes back and so says, now you can hang on to me, but I had to do that first. All right, that's what he did. So verse 12, it said, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. Remember, it said it wasn't of this creation. It wasn't on this earth. He entered the most holy place, having attained eternal redemption for us. This is not redemption until the next time you sin. This is a covenant that God made with Jesus on your behalf. It has nothing to do with your sin. Well, does your sin matter? Yeah, your sin matters. Sin opens the door to demons. Sin hurts relationships. Sin hurts a lot of things. But when your covenant with God is signed and sealed, it's delivered forever when your faith is in Christ, what he did for you. It's not a salvation thing. It's a relationship thing. Even all those covenants, if you think about it, they all had to do with family. We we call them tribes and stuff now, but it was family. And the new covenant is about family too. God wants a family, and these laws and things he put in that are laws of love is how we can interact with each other and relate to each other without offending each other, hurting each other, stealing from each other, lying, cheating, slandering, gossiping stuff are not ways the kingdom of God and his kids should act. And so it's not a salvation thing. It's a son and daughter thing. Listen, let me tell you, as you walk around, here's how I want you to act. You see him? He doesn't need a punch in the face like you want to do, Right? We all say, you know what that guy needs? He needs a good punch in the face. Well, well, he's probably already received that. It didn't do much good for him. Amen? What he needs is someone to really believe in him, someone who's really going to love him anyway. No matter if you ever receive love in return, isn't that what your father did? If you never give God love back, he still did this covenant on your behalf. Amen? Well, let's look at what's next, 722. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. <laughs> I don't know if you could I don't know if you could put that any stronger. What can separate you from the love of God? Jesus is the surety, the guarantee of your covenant. Come on, somebody. Let's kick religion to the curb today and just believe God, amen? Let's just believe God. Jesus, what he did for you is the guarantee of your right to this better covenant. It is not based on you, your behavior, if you've been divorced or not, if you've been this or not, and if you have long hair or not, or if you have a tattoo or not, if you wear your dress down to your knees or your ankles or whatever. It's not based on that stuff. It's based on Jesus is Lord, and he gets to say what he wants to say, and he is righteous in declaring you righteous because he's God. Amen? 
So by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. And there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues to live forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Praise God. Man, come on, somebody. It's not changing. It's not changing when you change. It's not changing in your moment of weakness, your moment of failure, your moment of losing your cool. He's not going to change the covenant. The term is signed, sealed, and delivered. He's already paid for it. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You're not just a little bit saved, guys. You're saved to the uttermost. Amen. We had this quartet in college that used to sing a song, a southern gospel song called Save the Othermost. Maybe you guys don't know it at all, but I'll sing a little bit to you. Um, but I used to like them because they were my friends, and they, they had really good harmony, but their group was called One Sacrifice. So I'm saved to the uttermost. I know that I am washed in the blood of the precious lamb through the Father, through the Son, through the Holy Ghost, I'm saved to the uttermost. Now, one person I saw singing it, Teddy. So Teddy knew it. I don't know if anyone else knew it. My dad used to sing it. Their group used to sing it. But guys, we're not just saved a little bit. He said, Jesus' blood, this verse, put it back up with you, 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives. He's not going to die. He's always alive, this high priest forever, making intercession for you. And his blood was, is your intercession. <laughs> All right, so Jesus is the high priest of our new covenant. He's the mediator of the new covenant. And he's a surety of your new covenant. Amen? So what's this got to do with you? Amen? Believe. Believe. Trust your Father. Trust God. Amen? So since he will never die again, our covenant is eternal. It's guaranteed, amen? We're not, again, we're not saved a little bit. We're saved to the uttermost. Praise God. So again, this covenant with God was not made with you individually. Jesus, as fully God, fully man, as man, made a covenant with Father God. So this covenant is irrevocable. It's unbreakable. Since God's not going to die, and he's not going to sin, he's not going to change his mind, that this covenant is established, signed, sealed forever, ratified by Jesus' blood, he's not changing his mind. Amen? No matter what you do, no matter how much someone tries to beat you down and make you feel like you're a loser, or you're just a worm, and you're just, oh, whatever stuff makes me disgusted. No, you're not. You're a son and daughter of God who God loves so much he sent Jesus to die in your place, that you can be come into a righteous position with the Father. And it was important to him. Now, which one of you wouldn't do the same thing for your kids if you had that kind of position? Amen? It's family. The Father wanted his family back. It was time to redeem man back to himself, so he did. So we're not, we are now sons and God, daughters of God through covenant. Okay? Failing to understand covenant is not understanding a big part of who we are in Christ and who God is to us. Covenant isn't a big word we have in America. It isn't something we really stick to very much. The closest thing we have is marriage, but it's not our marriages today aren't as strong a covenant as they were back in the day. Not in God's, God's mind anyway, okay? 
So I'm going to move uh, now into communion. I've got a little bit more to share about this. If the elders can come and prepare the Lord's table. I'm going to share just a little bit more about this covenant we have and this covenant meal behind me. This, guys, is to remind you that you are a covenant child of God. It's not to remind you of your sin, as you may have been taught. It's to remind you of the covenant, right? So this do in remembrance of me, not remembrance of your sin. So let's go back to Mount Ebal. I said I'd mention that in a minute. This was the Mount of, uh, not the Mount of Blessing, this was the Mount of Cursing. That was the mountain that was barren. That was the, the one that, uh, that they had the large stones on and the altar was built on and, those, and all that. They did, uh, on this mountain, they had a burnt offering and they had a peace offering, okay? Now, if you don't remember, a burnt offering is, uh, well, let me just read this first. Deuteronomy 27.5, I think we have that. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones, and you shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build with a whole stone the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings unto the Lord your God. So they had to do a, a burnt offering. If you don't remember what a burnt offering is, this was a, was a food offering, and the whole thing had to be consumed. The priests were not allowed to eat any of it. You, you had to, all of it had to be uh, destroyed in the fire, and this was a symbol of total surrender unto the Lord. But then after that, they were required to do a peace offering. In verse 7, You shall offer peace offerings, and shall eat there, and rejoice before the Lord your God. Now the purpose of a peace offering was to consecrate a meal between two parties, coming into a covenant together. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Now, uh, it was a coming into party together. They meal together, the fellowship excuse me, fellowship of peace and a commitment to each other's future prosperity in this covenant. They're committing to each other's prosperity. This is the only offering in which the one providing the sacrifice was actually allowed to eat from the, the sacrifice. It's the only one. This was their covenant meal. Okay? This is their covenant meal. This is a type of our communion. So notice it was on the Mount of Cursing. It was on the Mount where they'd have need. And God knew they would have need. God knew they'd be there would be cursing involved because he knew they'd break the covenant. He knew they would fail. He knew they were going to need a Savior. And what the law was, to, was for is to drive us to the point where we knew we needed a Savior. But even then, on that Mount of Cursing, they had a type and shadow of our new covenant meal that's through Christ, the peace offering. Do you remember when uh, the angels came to Bethlehem to the shepherds? What they say? Glory to God in the highest and peace to men on whom God's favor rests. Okay, Jesus, praise God, is our peace offering. He made peace between God and man, and now we get to partake of the Lord's table through this covenant he made for us because we now have peace with God because what Jesus did and not because what you did. Amen. Amen? We have covenant rights to eat of this table because of Jesus. If you feel condemned, it's, it's your, your conscience needs, of, you, need, you need metanoia. Change how you think. You don't need to feel condemned because you're not coming based on your grounds. You're not coming based on your goodness or how much you prayed or fasted or read your Bible. All good things to do, but it doesn't change the covenant. You pray and fast and read your Bible because you have a covenant with God. Because you have a relationship with God, you get to do those things. You're not earning something. Amen? Matthew 26. It says, And they, they were eating. Jesus took bread. He blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks 
and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Guys, today we are righteous by covenant. Your right standing that was a gift that God gave you was through the covenant. Okay? You take this boldly in faith on the grounds of the new covenant. Amen? Not the grounds of anything else. You taught Sunday school, you're a pastor. It doesn't matter. I could preach a hundred years and still go to hell if I don't have faith in Jesus. It's not going to make any difference. My faith has to be in this, what he did for me. Amen? So today, we're going to take the Lord's table together as family, the way God intended. Amen? We're family. We're the family of God. God's our Father, right? So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to come down the side aisles here. We'll have two elders on each side serving uh, the elements to you guys. Then I want you to hold on to them, come back to your seat, hold on to them, and we're going to take them together as a family. And I want you to remember that you have a covenant with God. You're not just, oh, I hope I'm okay to do this. hope I don't die doing this. No, you have a covenant. It's based on Jesus, not based on you. You can boldly take If you can boldly go from the throne of grace, you can boldly partake of this covenant meal. Amen. So elders, if you will prepare, I'm going to pray, and you guys can come and receive. God, I just thank you for the new covenant that has been founded on new promises with a new high priest, with a new mediator, with new signs and seals. Thank you, God, that we do not approach your throne based on our goodness. We do not approach this meal based on our goodness. We approach this covenant meal to remember that we are covenant sons and daughters of God because of the covenant made between the Father and the Son. And we are benefactors of that. So God, we boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy and we receive uh, your meal today to remind us of who we are now because of covenant. Thank you, Jesus.